Hey everyone, this is Jordan from New St. Andrews College. I just want to invite you to join us for our upcoming Perspective Student Weekend, which is from April 13th to 16th. This is the same weekend as the Grace Agenda Conference, so if you're headed over to Moscow for that, you can register your visit also for the Perspective Student Weekend at nsa.edu. Two great events, graceagenda.com and your Perspective Student Weekend here at NSA. Hope to see you there and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And it's a sunny day. And Beautiful sitting day. sitting in the car with gas in my car. Well, we hope. On a sunny day. But the engine's off, guys. It's warm enough for us to have the engine yeah. off. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a yeah. good time. So, so we're on spring break. The tail lasts. The final leg of spring break. Spring break. And I didn't get done what I wanted to get done. But mm, Nor oh, did well. I. But we did take, we took our kids skiing last week. And it was so funny. It was our first time skiing. And I, I, uh, we just got passes to the bunny hill. Because you can't raise children in Idaho, in northern Idaho, and have had them never ski. It's like fishing. We take yeah, them fishing yeah. on principle. You have to know <laughs> that you came from a place where you have fished yeah, in your life. You yeah. can't live this close to fishing and right. not do it. Right. So we've done that. We took them skiing. And it was so funny because... I, the last time I skied was probably like 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And Luke's never downhill skied coming from the Midwest where there are no hills. So, you know, from the right. hillless territory, he'd cross right. country skied, but never uh, downhill skied. So we just got tickets to the, the bunny hill, like just everyone on the bunny hill all morning, which was so funny. Moses would have none of it, even though his skis were like 18 inches long. <laughs> he was just like, I don't like, I don't like him. Wasn't gonna do it, but so the first time up the chairlift, I'm like holding on to Shadrach, yeah, and I'm like, okay, this is all sketchy, you know, your slippy mm. snow pants, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's no bar on the bunny on the bunny mm-hmm. hill chairlift. There's no nothing stopping you from just whizzing out the front of the yeah. of the chairlift, yeah. And uh, so the first time up, I'm holding on to him. He, you know. Here's how it is. Everybody was wiping out on their first trip down the money hill. So it took me a long time to get <laughs> to the bottom because I kept having to stop and help people get their skis back on. And so by the time, but I'm like partway down it when I see Shad passing me going up on the chairlift alone, <laughs> waving at me like, hi, mom. I was like, so uh, my real intense like arms around him the first time up, second time he's just getting on the chairlift alone. Okay. Okay. I have to, I have to tell you my story now, Okay. Rach. I'm ready. I'm, yeah. Here, here it is. And it pertains to yours. So we took our kids skiing also. And we just got back last night. And since it's they so They go beyond late, the bunny slopes, though. Yeah. See, Ben grew up skiing. I'd only done it a few times in high school and college. At the best of times, I'm a terrible skier. But, you know, Ben grew up skiing. And uh, we started taking our kids, like, three or four years ago. We um, started trying to do it once or maybe twice a year. But we haven't done it. We hadn't done it at all this year. It's the very end of the season. And there's this really weird place that we actually really enjoy going. <clears throat> and it's about four hours south of here. But 
it's actually probably a major tragedy in many people's lives, but for us, it's really hilarious. So I, because I <laughs> it's don't like know the failed, the failed resort, well, right? They were trying because like Idaho is like all mountains. So of course you could have amazing skiing here. And of course, Sun Valley, there's obviously Sun Valley's known it's for known that, for it. but that's yeah. like 10 hours South of us. And, and it's also crazy expensive. Yeah. Sun Valley, yeah, yeah, Sun yeah. Valley is true resort. So this in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, they try to put in what I think they were trying to rival like Aspen and Sun Valley, like a mm-hmm. major, major resort. And I don't know what happened, but the, everything went belly up. Everything and, but success Yeah, happened. the investors pulled out. Like, Didn't Ben say Andre, Andre Agassi, Agassi was, was the main? Yeah, yeah, he was some of the money behind it, and then he pulled out. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it coincided with the housing crash. I don't even know what happened, but... It is this massive resort with huge buildings still in Tyvek and like the sticker still on the windows, total ghost town weird. You go up to the top of the mountain, there's this big lodge that looks like it would be actually really awesome at the top of the chairlift. Totally empty, vacant, Didn't and then ben say that some of their chairlifts got repoed. One one chairlift <laughs> got repoed. And but so now they're just running just the slopes and they have these little pop-up sort of like yurts where the lodge is and stuff where you go in and buy your ticket so it's this major like stone and timber and huge buildings sitting there buildings of broken dreams broken dreams and then you've got and it's and it's giant and anyway and it's like really fun skiing it's like a three thousand foot drop top to bottom you know if you take both Mm -hmm. lifts to the top and everything and so they were ben found this deal where we rented a little cabin like right on the slope. Like you can just ski out of your cabin down to the chairlift. And if we rented the cabin, which was also like dirt cheap, it was like 200 bucks. Because you're in a ghost town. But if you do that, you, all the kids skied free. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going here. You've got to. So so next year, Rach, you guys. Yeah. Next year we'll definitely go there. So it was like this really fun, I mean, like it had a hot tub, you're looking right out at the chairlift. And so it was kind of like the height of luxury to be able to just go back to the cabin for lunch, like take all your wet stuff off, lay on the couch, make lunch, then have some cocoa, right. yeah, then go perfect. back out to the slopes again. Like instead of being all yeah. soggy in your boots in the lodge, you know, anyway, yeah. this was all great, but this leads me to my story. So we get there, we got there in the evening, move into the cabin and everything. We we're going to go out right when the chairlift opened in the morning at nine. So we get on out there. Well, there are a grand total on this mountain of 17 people skiing. Mm. The guy told us we are. said it was us and the handles at the, on the oh, bunny, bunny slopes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're really late in the season. So it was uh, 17 people on the whole mountain. And we were seven of them. So wow. we, we didn't blend into the crowd at all. Yeah. So well, there was no I crowd. You, there no, was no crowd. When I tell yeah. you that we Merkled it hardcore. <laughs> In the morning. You're telling me that there I'm were 10 other you, people who I'm know about you, it. No, I, they weren't even there yet. We were the first ones to the chairlift because we're like coming out of the cabin, like <laughs> had our fun breakfast and, you know, like pancakes and bacon and we're ready to go. <laughs> we go on out there and get to the chairlift and it's this huge, huge chairlift and it had been kind of raining. Then it turned to snow at the bottom of the mountain. 
And so the chairlift was a, the benches were like ice and then a little skim coat of snow Ooh, on perfect. top perfect. of it. And this is, uh, we're the first customers and we have not skied since last year. So, you know, like it's yeah, all a little we're bit, warming up. We're, we're just, just getting into the swing of it. So we uh, pull on up there to the chairlift and Jemima Bell and Knox hopped on one because they're four seaters and they get on one and then. It was going to be Hero, Judah, me, Ben. So starting from the left, Hero, then Judah, then me, then Ben. Well, as we sort of shuffle on up there, something got discombobulated in the in the <laughs> sort of move forward. I don't really know what happened. It all happened so quickly. So, so <laughs> as it does when you're skiing, yeah, something happened there, and I was kind of like got sort of pushed out the back so the chairlift gets to, no, no 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 it gets to me first so I yeah. just like sit down we weren't in a good line so then the other three sit down and I think because of this like the our skis were maybe tangled up or something and <laughs> and Judah sits down kind of half on my lap and it was like whoa okay and so he like scoots over and and we're going up and it was like okay we're good right and right as I say we're good right <laughs> Judah swoops off the chairlift, taking me with him at a lightning pace. <laughs> Rachel's actually choking on her coffee. And no, Rachel, and my skis. My skis take Ben. My word, I have a lung full of coffee. <laughs> oh, but, uh, so Your skis got bent? So I clean out Ben and, and like, and somehow we took Hero's skis with us, but not, but not Hero. And, and it happened like so fast oh that word. I was like, I Did just you know, fall. I all three of us splat. I mean, did he off. fall and then you and then uh, Ben? We, it, again, oh, it was <laughs> so fast, and and Ben was so like that did not just happen. Like, did not. And, and the thing was, <laughs> how far away were you from so, the start? So here's the thing: like, it was almost. Oh, like, that that was almost like a tragic story because if if we had been any higher up, we would all be dead. But it was. You know, because oh. the way it goes up so quickly, oh. but we were still on the sort of, I think we fell like seven feet though. Like, and I, <laughs> Ben stuck the landing. Like he actually just landed on his feet. I splatted just full, <laughs> just full splat on the ground. Oh, my, word. my legs are like twisted up in a pretzel. <laughs> Judah's kind of on top of me. It was like, and then there's Hero. And Hero's high, uh, high on the chairlift. What did she do? Run in her boots well, off no. of the chairlift? <laughs> no, because, <laughs> because the thing is, is the lady was like, well, we're just going to have to send her up. After they like pick me up off Did they the not, ground. They didn't and, stop the chair. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, they stopped it. Like, they stopped it right when it <laughs> happened. And so Hero's hanging there. That's how we know it was probably about seven feet, because she was up above Ben's head, <laughs> and they were going to just send her up, and Ben's like, no, she can jump down to me. So she jumped, and Ben caught her. But meanwhile, I 
just, I don't even know where, how these bruises happened because they're like on, we hit a bed of river rock. It wasn't Ew. even, it wasn't even Ow. like snow. This is so bad. It was so bad. But like I said, Ben hit the, hit on his feet and Judah kind of landed on me. <laughs> so I was the one that came out just bruised Mauled. and battered. I have like a bruise like you have never seen before. But here's what oh, I don't understand. Word. I'm humongous sorry. bruise on my right hip and then humongous bruise on my left knee. Well, how now, could you have I'm done asking that? you how that <laughs> happened. But anyway, so so that was our big like wow. And then welcome and then, to your day of skiing. Yeah, like that was great. And um <laughs> and it was seriously I so wish there was a, a, a group a blooper yeah. reel somewhere we could find to that would just show <laughs> us what we did. Because we don't know what we did. We just had half the family fall uh, off the chairlift. <laughs> <laughs> Which is oh, not really on our bucket list, but now I can say <laughs> I've done it. And the thing was, is that so then we go up to the top, we oh. ski down, get everybody warmed up. Oh, you and, made um, me weep my best. Oh my word, my I face know. And inhale my coffee. But then, then second run, second time on, we sit down, and this time it's just Jemima, me, Ben, and we begin to go and right around the second pole Jemima's ski just falls off nothing no reason just falls off so nice. then she did have to do the thing of get off the chairlift with a little run ski run ski run ski run ski how'd she get her then, ski back well Ben had to go down that run to find the ski and then I tried to stay with Gemma on one ski getting all the way back down to the bottom because there wasn't really yeah. a good place to sort of hang yeah. out at the top. It wasn't good weather. It was like blizzarding. Like you don't want to stand around yeah. for 45 minutes waiting for Ben <laughs> to get back. So she did the one ski down. So anyway, I just felt like, as Jemima said, we were basically the only people there. So we had to provide enough drama that a whole this. crowd would have provided, but we, yeah, the but burden we... <laughs> was on us to do the, it. It was like the the ex expectations oh, were yeah. high, and you yeah. guys had to really yeah. pull through and for everyone. At the best of times, I'm a terrible skier, but with a <laughs> with a beat I up like, before I you like begin. I like a nice green circle. Like yeah. that's a nice green <laughs> circle is just what I can handle. Put me on the blue ones, I have no fun, and I don't even want to talk about black diamonds. Like, just, <laughs> let's just, I'm not into speed, I just want to have a nice little meander. Yeah, you know? well, because that's what's so fun, the beautiful yeah, scenery, like, the like... Let's meander. Then we have Knox, yeah. who scares me to death, I tried to, well, I, of course I don't look, I'm not on the black diamonds with him. Yeah. But anyway, so that was our little expedition yesterday. Oh my word. And I, I have the bruises to prove that oh, I fell that off. Oh, really good. Of I didn't, I waited until the end of the day to tell my whole family that I never fell. Oh, I was like, I waited until the end to make sure that it was yeah. clear that I could say, well, guys, I didn't fall down. I, I remember the first time I skied wiping out, like when you're standing still, like yeah. in the standing still uh -huh. for the uh -huh. chairlift and wiping out yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, oh yeah. Well, oh, man. luckily a man came running out and said, here, let me take your skis off. And I was like, thank you. Because I was just so weirdly yeah, kind of no. disoriented and my legs were all tangled <laughs> up and the skis were going I didn't know where and they're all like are you okay and I'm like laughing my head off like yes I'm totally okay oh my gosh I think the first but time the that was, you went skiing then then Ben come back with a long video of you sliding down <laughs> That, trying to stand up but sliding down. so funny. But the thing that makes it so perfect is that in a video, you cannot at all ascertain no. how steep the hill no. is. Mm -hmm. It looks like 
you're basically yeah. just sliding down a oh yeah you know less yeah. than a bunny slope it mm-hmm. looks like just a straight surface that you know it looks get a like on. i just can't stand up i was looking at that slope yesterday as i went past and i was like it is stupid stupid steep i mean it was really steep and and uh and it was so funny because it was the very end of the day when your legs are yeah, like yeah. quivering you know because you blame doing you it. not and then i splatted and it was so steep i could not get back up on my feet <laughs> so i'm doing this amazing glacier move like spread eagle splat Sort of hover splat, drag and the fact splat. that Ben stopped to film it was just to, to bless you forever. With yeah, that. yeah, that was it was me. Yeah. yeah, all right. Well, enough about our rollicking <laughs> good times for spring break. I know, I know. If you don't watch yourselves, I'm gonna post pictures of my bruise. Yeah, <laughs> with a quarter next to it for reference. <laughs> For size comparison. Oh my goodness. No, it's like the size of the river rock I landed on. I mean, oh, it's like this, like the size of a softball. So bad. Not cool. Not oh, cool. I know, but it's so funny. I have to say that our last podcast where we, where, where oh, we were not, dear. we were not the mm, gentle guarded? life coaches. We were not guarded. We were not. We were just going ahead and calling everyone complainers and fussers. <laughs> we uncorked it a bit. We did. And I thought it was interesting that the response was so overwhelmingly positive that nobody was mad at us. Or if they were mad at us, they were so mad that they spake not to us. That's they also were so a mad that they discontinued <laughs> listening to us, which is a, is fair. It's all right if they yeah. did. Yeah. But I think that the um, the reason I, I was just thinking it's interesting to talk about because because I've noticed this that I actually think that women are hungry for hard words. Is well, like no no, no. That. women who, who care who about love being the Lord yes. are hungry for hard words. Women who and, care about their sanctification. Yeah, and. Our grandpa, I think, did he, is he quoting someone else who always said, hard words make soft hearts, soft no, words make yeah. hard hearts. And he says, hard teaching makes soft hearts. Yeah, I quote it real well. I've heard it my whole life, but I get it wrong. <laughs> but hard it's the teaching same thing. makes soft hard, hearts. Yes, and soft, soft teaching, teaching makes hard, hard hearts. hearts. And, and the thing is, is that this is so true. Like, when someone comforts you in your in your sin or struggle, when someone's like, it's okay, there's nothing you could have done about it. Like, yeah. I'll tell you, somebody, uh, shared this, somebody, I should say not of our faith, <laughs> shared a video from like this, you know, oh man, I want to say it's called like the power of positivity oh, or sure. something. It's mm-hmm. one of those sorts of, you uh-huh. can do it right if you, whatever. But it was the most appalling. It's one of these ones where it's like a picture. The picture changes with the text over the, you know, it's like a read the video. Yeah. But on and on and on about to the mom who's locking herself in the bathroom crying because she just can't Mm -hmm. have any time to herself. Like Mm -hmm. to the mom who's eating tons of fast food in the parking lot while she's mad at everyone (laughs) to the mom who cries because she just wants to be left alone to the mom and it's like over and over and it goes on so long where you're like this is the most despicable person you could have come up with because not that Mm -hmm. it is saying it but it is like low points yeah we've all had had a low point but it's a long string along of horrifying low points that was like 
the worst day a mom's ever had and behaved badly in. Like, yeah. they were all that strung together. And then it finishes with, like, you are worthy. You are enough. <laughs> like, there's no, like, you are wonderful. You are beautiful. Keep and crying like, in that bathroom. How do you know? Because I'm pretty sure that this kind of behavior is not worthy. It's not enough. It's not beautiful. Like this is what we need to be saved from. Like this is the bad side. Like this is not okay. And so this reminds me of the time the dad was driving back to his house. We were not with him. We just heard about this. And down at the bottom, they had this long driveway going up a hill down at the bottom by the main road is a sort of a ditch with a little, kind of seasonal creek in it like where sometimes it's got a little trickle at the bottom and then in the snow melt it's you know like gets to be a sort of a creek muddy most of the time and this was a low point in the creek I believe you know kind of summer but muddy puddly at the bottom oh and uh (laughs) there is a woman remember this story but a drunk woman lying in it just lying in the ditch in the mud kind of in the puddle and not getting out. So he stopped, obviously, and, you know, tried to see if he could help her out. And she was rude and <laughs> ugly and refused to budge. Like, refused You're any like, attempts at assistance. I, how She's dare like, you? How I, dare you think I should I'm get out of here? I'm in this ditch and I'm staying and in the I ditch. And I cannot get out. And it's like the kind of ditch that probably has little bits of garbage like, down in it. There's just no earthly reason to nope. be stuck in that nope. ditch. No, No. and she's just lying in it, refusing to come out of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is the, like, we've all had those moments where you're in a little, some kind of down and out mood, and there you are, you're lying in the ditch, (coughs) resisting all attempts at assistance. And you're like, I cannot be got out. (laughs) I cannot. This ditch is unbearably difficult No, but she was kind of like, I like this, I'm staying here, you jackass, was kind of... (laughs) Was kind of the, well, the but general. But the thing gist. about this is that well, my point is that in without Christ, we still want to be right. Like you know what I mean. Like uh-huh. we are aware of our sin and we want rightness, and so we end up coming around with these platitudes, which is really like, yeah, but like just frosting over. But like, do you really feel like what would help that woman is to stand around the edges up top and say, "You are beautiful. Worthy. You are worthy. You are genuine. You are so fabulous. I love how transparent you are. I love what you're doing here. <laughs> what you're doing here just speaks to the difficulty we all experience. You're opening your heart to us." <laughs> Well, You're showing the us the way that, forward. The thing that is sad is that it's genuine, like failing, difficulty, tiredness, frizzled, like sick of it. Those are real genuine, normal human problems. Yeah. But the solution is not to pretend that they're a not a problem. <laughs> like, like it is a problem. Like this is wrong. This is not okay. Yeah. Well, being tired's not. It's when you. No, but the this, this list, out. this list in particular, was all ugliness. It was not yeah. saying things like when you're so tired. It was like when you yell at the kids and then you feel so guilty because you're the worst mom. Like right. it was really like genuine things that someone should probably yeah. repent of. And then in you all go and stress all of their Easter candy. Yeah, and then you you spit <laughs> at your kids when they're walking by you, but you love them so much because you're wonderful. You know, like it was really a sad little mess mm. of a thing. But but the point is, it's like this effort to provide 
compassion for our hurt and like you are enough it's like enough for what like (laughs) i am this is definitely not enough like this is definitely not worthy of anything whatever but talk about healing the wound lightly yeah and in the end i didn't watch it all the way through to the end but i think in the end it was trying to say this is just a hard season and it is hard and you'll come out of it and it'll be okay and you know it it was that kind of thing but Mostly, I just think there's a lot of women who are hungry for hard teaching because they desire Christ and they desire soft hearts and they desire like, and because of that, I think there's a major shortage of the hard teaching. Like it's very difficult to find. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't have that easy go of that. You kind of have to look to another century practically. It's like... There are right. My mom, our grandma, um, who grandma Greenside's had. So our granddad was in the Air Force, and he fought in both the Korean War and World War Two. So there was a lot of time that she was home and alone yeah. and with kids. I think he wasn't even home for three of the kids that she had. Maybe. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's right. He he was gone, mm-hmm. you know, for and that she was uh, at the home front. Yeah. With four little kids, you know, while she didn't even know if her husband was alive. And mom asked her one and time. And no FaceTime to just check in. You had to wait for the letters. You had to wait for the letters. And and uh, and he sent, do you remember that? Well, of course you remember it. We all remember it vividly. Um, there was a, he had all these home movies and he would play for us sometimes on the big reel and the projector and home movies of, of all of his travels and interest, you know, things. But he played the, um, this one, there was a little Christmas video that he and a friend made for their wives that were, who were neighbors. And it is just them goofing around, you know, like sitting on these 500 pound bombs smoking and, and riding their little, at the end they ride in a little Jeep with a little sign on the back that says Merry Christmas, you know, like, and they ride away. And she would, I remember it as a kid being like, I remember the video and I don't remember now. It never made me emotional as a child because I couldn't even process what was happening. Now, even the memory of it chokes me up because grandma would cry the whole way through it. She said, oh yeah, she and her friend would get together and watch that video every day and just bawl their heads (laughs) off, right? Of their husbands goofing around out in somewhere where they're going to die. Like their feeling of like, we don't know if they're alive Mm -hmm. or dead and here's their sweet little goofy, Mm -hmm. you know gift and yeah I like it we're both getting teary even just talking about it well but the the point mom asked her once how did you do it like how did you keep going and she said Nancy it was just my duty yeah she said it was my duty like it wasn't like I was and and it's true that when everyone has a certain the whole culture had hard things going on so you got no special no. There was no special treatment for no. someone whose husband was at war because everyone's husband was at war. Like, this was how it was. But and I she's just like, think, my job was to be here. I think also our culture has lost entirely a sense of duty. Yeah. Like, as soon as things are hard for us, we feel like, well, all bets are off now because it's hard for me. Well, didn't you not see that this was I'm, an emotional day? Well, sometimes it's like, what do you think you promised at your wedding? Right. I mean, for, <laughs> for better or for worse actually includes for worse. Well, and you richer know. and poorer. 
right. sickness, and health. Like right. we do all of these things. And and there's a reason that those things have always been included in the list of things that you got up in front of God and witnesses and promised and vowed to do till death. Till death <laughs> every day. Till death do us part. Which means that if you're not dead, then you have a duty. <laughs> you have something you exactly. should be doing. And I think the duty is such a great like um as I think about that, some, some days where you're like, man, it's just a little, in fact, spring break, we had, we've had some beautiful weather. It's been fun, but we've also had like the rainy dark days where you're like, not sure what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like where it's like, yeah. what's on the docket for the day? Yeah. What's, you know, things are just a little bit more like, it's just odd because it's not your normal routine. It's right. like, okay, we're in a different place now. Right. And, um, but something that I'm like, actually, it's totally helpful to just be like, well, Rachel, what's your duty right now? Not like, what do you feel like doing or what would make us feel better? What is your duty right yeah. now? And it's like, yeah. oh, well, I think right now my duty is in the laundry. Like, like that's uh-huh. actually a priority right uh-huh. now because this is one yeah. of my duties. Not, It's not yeah. a uh, one of the things I do when I'm in the mood. No. It's and a I thing I do when I need to do it. how bad, flabby, and obese everyone's sort of spirits have gotten mm-hmm. you know like since since the time when people understood the concept that you you do your duty there's a nobility in doing your duty there's a nobility in sacrifice there's a nobility in putting others first we've totally lost that as a culture and even though we prioritize like chiseling your body and having your body be hard Everybody has the most flabby, weak spirits. Well, it's not so much that we prioritize it. We admire it. We and admire there's it, a yeah. section of the population that prioritizes it like crazy. Well, that's true. And there's, then there's a section of the population that, that just feels guilty about it, it and thinks yeah, they wishes should. They had it. But I mean, we don't do it about who's fiercely just doing their job all the time. Unless it's CrossFit. Then we admire their their... Like, look at how they, they just did it. At just... dawn, they rise and they do repetitions. <laughs> like, yeah, but the, it's like, but we don't think like, isn't that amazing that she gets up and does this every day, or that yeah. he's he's off to the office every day so faithfully, or just yeah. doing like, go to your post and do your and duty. Do your duty. And <laughs> and it's so important for moms to do this because it is really really it's an important thing for your kids to learn like that we don't get up and check the wind and our feelings for no. what like it's like no no you need to do your duty I read a I read a really interesting article about an interview with a Swedish man who was talking about the you know Swedish socialism how it's always held up as this great example of Hmm. hot of like what we could all be if we just tried if harder. Only we tried harder if we just tried Swedes. harder and we could be Swedes. And and it was really an amazing he was like, no, socialism was just the stink festival of the world in Sweden. And he said, but but the thing is is that we had this time of really open and free capitalism, so we built an insane amount of wealth. Yeah. Then we tried this experiment, which failed us very badly and yeah. we pulled out of it by loosening up a lot of like it was like it was not working, right. but that one moment where we were burning off all of our wealth, yeah. everyone thinks of as the pinnacle of like yeah. we should do that. Yeah. And he, there was a great quote in the article, anyways, that was like, "How do you get a small fortune?" And he said, "Well, you start with a big one. <laughs> you make some mistakes." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is so perfect." Uh-huh. Anyways, it was a great. It was an interesting article, and the but one of the things that he said in it, talking about why are young people so attracted to, um socialism Mm -hmm. 
And he said, because they, because they don't know yet about what happens in the world. It was like, for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, they think that resources are just there to be had because right. they've been supported by their parents their yeah. whole life. So they don't know what it's like to just not have a resource, like to just right. not, to just be, a, you so know, like, like, I see all these cookies. I think it would be nice if we evenly distributed them yeah. rather than he said, somebody's plus, making the cookies. Yeah. Here. And he was like, plus people don't understand. He said, you know, if you say, okay, so there's all this money. How should we divide it among these people? And everyone's like, fairly, <laughs> evenly. Like, we should do it exactly evenly so no one has an advantage. And he's like, okay, well, what about the next round of money? What if, you know, what if nine of these people spent all of theirs on things, but one worked really hard and invested it and saved and made a lot more money? And then all of them are like, well, yeah, he should have that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if someone did that and you're like, right, so then you're back to not being socialist. Like, you don't understand the whole picture. But anyways, the point, the thing I thought was funny is he was just saying, not understanding a life in which you don't have this kind of privilege. And I think that that is true. You really have, I mean, I'm applying it loosely to this, but it's true that we have no concept. Like, we think it's hard to stuff our many laundries into a machine that does it for us. Well, okay. Right? Like, it's like, we have all of this. I was thinking this the other day that, like, actually the kind of very common, very common funks that women get into about I just feel so bad and I just feel like my life is not what I wanted and I just and I'm fat and I don't feel like I I don't, I don't notice myself I getting just, invited to I interesting just, yeah, parties. And so yeah. I'm just, I can't, and I'm just staying in bed and people just like, you don't know how bad it hurts. Just like, ordering this takeout. kind of thing. I was like, that weirdly is a sign of absurd luxury. The mm-hmm. fact that you have the luxury of nursing a sad attitude in bed is like, can you imagine like just no even joke. picture like Pa and Ma on the prairie? There wasn't a there wasn't you know, a Tuesday that she could give no, to being in a funk. She's like, no, guys, make yourself toast because I'm. St- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just like no. If you wanted to live, it's like you did your duty, and like, so it's really funny that we have gotten to this place of absurd luxury, and what we choose to do with it is, is get spend it on our bad tunes. <laughs> Morbidly grumpy. <laughs> it is so, it is really, a, it's like such a stupid kind of a bummer to get into that. But like, it's, it's also kind of a weird whirlpool where I think it's kind of hard for people to get out of because mm-hmm. there's this mutual affirmation that happens where, you know, everybody will gather around, even if it's just Facebook posts, will gather around and say, but you're worthy, you're wonderful. No, because everybody feels like they have to. They are trying to like throw you more flotation devices. And the thing is, right? they're like, actually and they're like, here's are, what will, here's what will help. I feel like we're just talking about people who don't have large scale problems, like just or, regular or their people. problems or but spiritual the thing is, is, problems. I know not... that there are people out there who genuinely have large scale hardships and tragedies and difficulties, and I feel like there's actually a whole history of martyrs and faithful mm-hmm. saints through the years who have undergone huge things. And Horrible we all look stuff. at that and yeah. admire it, but it's like, I don't feel like it's often that people think to emulate that, you know, mm-hmm. when a big, when well, a big wave I, comes. I do actually think that the people who are, well, we're not talking about people who are in the midst of really, really hard 
tragedies and no. providences. We're talking about the normal life of the normal Christian who's yeah. getting into a funk about something. Right. But at the right. same time, you're mad at your husband. At the same but... time, with believers, it's far more common that we get derailed by the things that don't make us think to pray constantly. When you have a like, it is common for a believer to do well in really difficult situations where they mm-hmm. turn to Christ because it's the only thing humanly that they can do. You know what I mean? Like where there's yeah. prayer and support and they are, they are focused on God in a different way. It's a heightened, I'm not saying <laughs> well, that what's everyone. That thing dad says about when somebody says there's nothing left we can do, but pray. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's come to that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh shoot. We've tried every other thing. Things are so bad that I have to pray. No, about but I all. have, I have a metaphor from my bad skiing. Okay. So, uh, as I said, I do not enjoy the, the real steep slopes because I don't like being out of control. I don't like going super fast. Mm-hmm. Unlike some of my children who just point their skis down and go. And so yesterday as I was doing a slope that was much harder than I liked at all. um, (laughs) After like blitz crashing at the top several times. (laughs) I then like uh, took a different technique. And again, I'm a terrible skier. I'm not saying that this is a metaphor for skiing. I'm just telling you this is a metaphor for what we're talking (laughs) about. Is... If I'm trying to like, you know, you're trying to cut sort of back and forth down the mountain. As I'm just looking down this ridiculous, endless, way too steep thing. Yeah. You take, you go, go like one or two cuts and then suddenly lose control. Blah, and then it's like big, you know, yeah. splat crash. Yeah. Um, then I, I changed my approach <laughs> where I would just look across the slope at a tree I'd pick a tree yeah. and I'm like, I'm just going to go, go there. there. And then as I turn, hopefully I would, not all the way there, just yeah, part of the way. <laughs> try and stop a little early. But as I turned, <laughs> I would then like pick another tree straight across. Just look there. Don't look down the slope because I, like the more I looked, the more yeah. I looked down the slope, the more like terrible yeah. it got. And when I did it like that, it, it was fine. Like I could make my way right on down and it was all good. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in control, you know, the whole time. You but needed to not t- take the big picture. It's like, I didn't know. It's better to not have the big picture. Just focus on this right here. Just go for that. And I said this, this is kind of, ch- this is back but to. But I was going to say, oh, yeah, sorry. metaphorically, I mean, that's like, pick something close. I'm meaning like, pick that, pray about it, aim for that. Just do. Make it faithfully to dinner time and then make yeah, it faithfully just, to bedtime. Or and just then... make it faithfully till 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, whatever it is, just pick it, mm-hmm. figure out what you're going to do, pray about it, anchor yourself, and then pick the next like, thing. Like, okay, that's rather what I'm going to do. Like, and then we're going to do the next thing. your way out. Not like, this way. whole day is killing me. <laughs> and, and there's two ways that people do this. I think I wrote about this in Little Years, but I used to do a... 20 minute thing like when it was total chaos I would be like I can cry in 20 minutes <laughs> and I would say like I know that's Set funny timer. but I'd be like if I feel like crying and throwing in the towel right now I would look at the clock and be like I'm just gonna work hard for 20 minutes and then yes. see where we are like and yeah. if it's still this bad in 20 minutes I'm, I have permission <laughs> to cry from myself like but I have 20 minutes to, but see that's but what I'm saying in 20 minutes I 
almost always could have spanked the offender, changed a <laughs> diaper, nursed a baby, got someone down for a nap, yeah. you know, cleaned up the accident yeah. or got whatever. Got diaper put outside. Yeah, like in, in if I actually just said, okay, I just have 20 minutes to be cheerful and faithful and work hard and do what I can. Yeah. Then And then at the end of that time, I'm free to cry if I need to. I yeah. never needed to cry. If I worked hard for 20 yeah. minutes, it would all pull it together. Because the thing about it is I think that wallowing in my experience, generally begets more wallowing. Oh, yeah, because you start being like, <gasps> another thing I could fuss about. Right. Let me, and then, let me and then cast my into, eyes about for more things. And now I'm fussing about things. the fact that I'm fussing, and yeah. I just can't get out. It's just the worst. <laughs> I'm in the ditch. Yeah, I, I can't. And I, but one thing I was going to say is that 20 minutes was good, but the other thing that I think is really important for young mothers who are in that kind of blindingly difficult phase, um, that the phase that feels like I'm going to die before 5.30 tonight. <laughs> and if I don't die before 5.30, like, then I'm definitely not living through this whole stretch of my life that's going to be like this every day. Because right. because there's a, big, there's a big window here where you're like, you know... It was one of the things that I always thought was especially hard about morning sickness is that you feel nasty, but you actually know how long you're going to feel nasty. Yeah. And the fact that you know you're like, just... You know, 10 more weeks of this yeah. is not actually really encouraging. No. Like, you're like, it would be more fun to think any minute now I might feel yeah. better. But instead, right. you just know this is a long haul. Well, the thing, whether it's not morning sickness, but in that in that time with all of your kids, when it gets really intense or where you're like, I can't even enjoy a conversation at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't. I make dinner. Nobody likes it. I do this every, you know, like where it's yeah. frustrating and you're like, I'm doing a bad job. This is horrible. When you're in the middle of that and you're thinking, and I have years of this, like it gets really discouraging. And the thing that is important to know is that even though right now you have a really nasty side ache, you know, like you're having this moment that's a bad Mm -hmm. side ache on the run and you know you have so many more miles to run. It doesn't like the fact that you have more time to run says nothing about how you're going to feel because God does give you relief. Like be faithful and there will be moments where you will get a second wind where you'll have a lot of joy in your children. You'll see these funny things that they're doing and you'll feel like just keep on and don't get depressed about the big picture because partly don't let your feelings be your guiding light because your feelings are going to change. Amen to that. The other thing is like in the same way that wallowing seems to be get more wallowing, doing your duty actually tends to perk you up. Oh, look, you know, and it turns out you might want to do your duty again. Yeah. Yeah. But one of, but the thing that I meant is in those times that are like, crazy chaos that feels like not even necessarily sin chaos, just the chaos of like, Uh I can't find clean jammies for this child and we're out of diapers and who did this and... But see, like, none of us, none of us would, in in the moments where your house is like totally blitzed and it feels like it's overwhelming and everything's bad, none of us would be like, well... I might as well just squirt some motor oil all over it now. You know, like know. nobody would do Spiritually that. Spiritually speaking, we but do that we all do the that. time. It's yeah. like there actually is no situation in your life so bad that you can't make it worse by having a big nasty attitude right. about it. And the crazy tangles of little kids at home, which is, is 
my point was more that those moments of tension where you feel like I can't do this and I have so many years to do this, that those are the times you need to think I need to be faithful right now and trust God that he will give me a foothold. Like Mm -hmm. I know that this is going to go on for years and there's no time that God doesn't provide that. Like, like the, if you are being faithful, you will have the foothold. Like you will have, and I think it's like in, um, uh, Prince Caspian, where Aslan is, is telling Lucy to follow him, you know, like where, Mm -hmm. where they can't see the path until they're just following him. And then they're like, Oh, there actually is a path down this cliff face. Like the obedience of following Aslan, even though it doesn't look like a good path choice. And you're like, no, no, let's go down. Let's go down this way. And it's like, no, that won't work. But if you follow him, there is a path. There is. I think that, that there are lots of commands in scripture. Well, virtually all of them go totally counterintuitive to the way we would want to do things. Which is why they have to be said. Yeah. And when, when we're told things like, um, be patient in suffering or be, how does it go? Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What's the first Mm -hmm. one? Joyful in suffering, patient Patient in affliction, affliction. faithful in prayer. Nobody intuitively is joyful in suffering. And so you could either look at that command like, God is just asking me to do now something even harder. Like first the suffering, now he's making me be joyful also. But actually, like in your following Aslan thing, he's actually showing us how to get through it. And how to be with him. And he's not making it worse. He's showing us the path through the sorrow, the path through the affliction. And so if we actually obey him, it's not not an additional burden. It's the way that he takes the burden away. Yeah. And I feel like I say this all the time, but in John, when it, when the disciples are like, uh, really worried about Jesus, they're worried about Jesus leaving them, you know, and you think like, how would they not have been worried about that when the only thing they knew was actually Jesus in the flesh? Like for us, it's funny that we've never known him actually like that. (laughs) And the the thought of them being like, but Lord, you know, like, we don't want you to go. And he's saying, if you love me, and he says it over and over, if you love me, keep my commandments. Like, and then he says, and I will pray to the father and the father will send the comforter. Like, I will not leave you orphans. Like he's saying, obey me. And I will intercede for you and the father will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. But the thing is, all of it starts with, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you really love me so much, you will obey me and be constantly in the Holy Spirit. And look at what the commandments are, because I think it's very easy. And I see this all the time on social media, people saying, but God would never judge, you know, he would never judge this or that. When you're crying at the sink instead of doing the dishes, God doesn't have any thoughts on that. It's like God just loves you and you're just his precious daughter and he would never judge you for. And it's like, don't, that is a dangerous thing to say. He actually told us in his book what he would judge us for. (laughs) And and Don't start saying God would never do the thing (laughs) he said he does. (laughs) (laughs) Because Um, yeah, I did hear that recently in a conversation of like, but God would never, he just doesn't, he's not here to judge us. And I was like, well, let's be honest. He He actually is. He's the judge. He is the judge. Okay. Since we're talking about, and he judged us in Christ. This is a wee touch off topic, except for we're talking about judges. And that is that I, I just always am like, this is a thing that rankles me every time I hear it. People say, oh, well, I, I would have to know all the details 
to judge that. Like where people say like, oh, I'd have to know. And I was like, you really think that that is what stands between you and a righteous judgment? Like you think that if I knew all the details, then I would be equipped to be a good judge? And it's like, no, I'm sorry. You're not God. Like when you say I'd have to know all the, I really have to know everything in order to accurately judge that. It's like, do you have no perspective on yourself? You're not the judge. Like that's in, and it's funny because you say, no, defer to the holy judge who gave us his commands. And he was actually not vague. No, real specific. (laughs) He like got into the details of our life. And, and one thing that I think is, you said this earlier, you're saying about not basing things on your emotion. And we talked about, and we talked about your, um, wedding vows is that dad always uses that illustration of like, if you make your vows anchored to your emotions, then your vows are going to be riding up and down and all over the place all the time. But if you anchor your vows to the word of God, that is like an enormous slab of granite that is going nowhere, then Uh your emotions are not affecting your emotions go in and out and you are tethered off to the word of God in a way that is not at the whim of our emotions. Like it's not like, Oh, I don't feel like being nice to my husband today. So today I'm going to not, you know, like it's like, no, I made a vow and I'm going to yeah. stick to it. Like, and what this is, is it that you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. Check that real fast before you <laughs> choose a course of action today. Like just, yeah. just soak that up. Okay. So, you have a tip. I think, well, oh, sorry. I have, I have two tips, <gasps> range two. Becca prepared. I need to like, I think of tips all of the times yeah. when we're not doing start a podcast. having to have a little mm-hmm. post-it note. Work with harder on that. No. First one. Today is Friday on Monday is March 19th, the riot. Oh yes. Right. in the comes out in theaters and you totally should go and take your kids to this because it's really going to be very awesome. Somebody asked about why is it rated PG? And I think it, I don't actually know the details on why it is rated PG, but it is because of, it is just because of death. death because there is, and that's actually part of the wonderful nature of it is, you know, you watch a, not unbelieving nature documentary and they like don't know how to cope with anything. They're like the beauty is meaningless that it's here. The death is just another factoid. Thing, yeah, it's just doing. a thing that happens. And there's a lot and of discussion so the discussion in it about of death. death and and the bad the effects the, of sin. The effects on of creation. sin and creation being broken in that way is it's not something I would have no hesitation in my kids watching it so it's not um no it's it just, might not it's possible that your your little kids little kids you know them better than I do but they might be afraid of the actual animal like the snake or the but they're not yeah, I don't know but it's they won't be something... bothered by the discussion of death it's just no but there's some I mean it's not like a I just mean if they're too little they won't even no. understand what's going there's nothing about. really to be there's no swearing about. yeah no <laughs> so um so that's one thing that's my first tip is go yeah, to definitely. ride and the dance so it's just going to be one night in theaters march 19th and there's lots of theaters what 800 plus there's a lot yeah go to the, the if you go to the website you can find the theater near you yeah so we actually have to drive to go to it but anyway yeah, we do there's none in our town but um anyway that's my first tip my second tip though this is what i have come back to i don't know why i stalled out on this Pickled red onions. This is the best thing in the world to have in your fridge all the time for all purposes. 
So I started doing this again, and I even made some on our ski trip because I happened to pack a red onion and vinegar. But it's like the easiest thing in the world. And you take like red wine vinegar, three quarters of a cup, and three quarters of a teaspoon of salt, and put it in a saucepan and just heat it up to where it's, you know, boiling. And then pour it over a sliced red onion, cover it with saran wrap, and then just toss it every, you know, few minutes. I like, pickle red onions also for like 45 now minutes we're talking or about. And then put it in the fridge. They're just quick pickled onions. It is so good on a sandwich, on a salad. I even did it with like, I made lentils and then did some fried eggs on okay, it for so breakfast the other day and put pickled red onions on top. So I good. I have to tell you my, my hot tip. Tell my me. hot tip is tell me. another version of pickled onions. I do it okay. multiple ways. One is when I have like half a red onion, I just slice it up and put it in one of those little short mason jars. Yeah. And I put like a little dollop of brown sugar on top and then a big glug of apple cider vinegar. Okay. And then I just fill it with water to the top, put the lid on it, put it in the fridge. So I... And they're super good. Okay. Well, I don't put sugar in it, but it's similar, but I just like heat it up for a minute and then pour it yeah, over. Yeah, because you're, you're doing a quicker but they pickle. But turn... these beautiful they are the most yeah. beautiful color they are yeah. so pretty on top of stuff so the i do that the other version i do is lime pickled ones for like pickle and lime juice for oh, mexican good. food mm, i so really i made i was on this binge of trying to find a casserole i didn't mind a long time ago mm. and um besides lasagna uh, you know i just i'm a, i believe in my heart that a casserole is practical like being yeah. able to put something in the oven and then do all the dishes of the prep while it's in the oven and be like ready to eat. There's something yeah. really never, great about that. Other than lasagna, I'm with you. I well I, enchiladas. Okay, well I did find one way. that was just okay. outstandingly delicious. I was okay. like, well, this is amazing. It was a black bean chorizo. It was a really really yummy. It was kind of it was not it was sort of a version of a enchilada like a layered enchilada but it was black bean and chorizo and all stuff okay. and then it had like roasted pepitas and lime crema and lime pickled onions oh, yeah, on top good. it was beautiful the trouble with it is that i was like yes a casserole that is beautiful and delicious but yes i was you making a monster all, yeah. a monster mess toasting chilies to make a sauce to go yeah. with it you I was lost doing the, the ease of the I casserole. lost the yeah I yeah. I went too far into the into I think if you really want the what is the heart of the casserole genre I no, think, I don't I think, want that. No, I think what people want there is you open a bag, you open a can, you open a thing. It's called from the, the can freezer. of this box of that special, mm. right? But I don't do but that. I, no, me neither. Um, not that I just don't. But I, anyways, my point is, I I like the idea of something in a baking dish. Anyways, in that time, lime pickled onions. It was like red onions with just lime juice and a little bit of water and salt. I think, and they mm -hmm. were really good yeah, and really sure. good on top and the lime but i just feel really like this too. is the kind of staple to keep in your fridge because there's basically mm -hmm. endless uses for gorgeous hot pink pickled red onions they are just they the make best. you feel better about everything you're having breakfast lunch yeah. and always you can use so them. that's our recommendation that's our recommend. lime lime cider vinegar and red Red I did it wine. with cider vinegar on our ski trip, and it, they mm. were really good too. So anyway, but I don't put sugar; I just did salt, and it was tiny really bit of sugar is good in it. Yum! And but I do quick pickled veggies. Juice. I do quick pickled other veggies a lot, where you boil the brine. Yeah. Fill a jar with like, uh, 
random selections of veggies, peppers, yeah. peppers mm-hmm. and cauliflower and stuff. And yeah. then you just pour the that hot liquid good. over it. Yeah. Green beans are really good in the summer beans. Quick pickled beans are mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. And they're, and it's like a nice fresh side yeah. for like, it's if good. you have a sandwich, you have a fresh yeah. pickled veg. It's good. Yeah. All right. Have That's a good week. What we've got. Talk to you another time. All right. Bye. <laughs> I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.